So we've been going through a series called uh, Engaging Purpose over the last few weeks. So we're, we're in our, actually last week is our first week. And uh, this is our second week. And uh, it's all about knowing and living out God's call for your life. And it's not necessarily your specific call like we talked about last week, but it's about your primary call to know God and to make him known. And then that's going to flush out in the secondary call, even like Jackie was talking about. She got to know God. She got to be with God. And then from there, he gave her an assignment. We all try to figure that out uh, for ourselves. And so we brought clarity to that last week. Um, so in the storm that led up to Easter uh, there, we were at our house. We were without power for quite a while, for like three days or so leading up to onto Good Friday and into the Saturday. We, were, we didn't have power for a while there. Fortunately, we were able to, on that Wednesday that it first went out, we were able to get a generator, one of the last ones we could find in town. Um, but it wasn't quite, it isn't powerful enough to, to power our whole house. And it's not quite, you know, set up, you know, you have to have it all done properly electri- with the uh, electricity to be able to do that. It can't run our whole house, but it could run a number of things in the house at the same time. And it was just a matter of figuring out what was essential, what was needed, what we wanted to have powered. Do we plug in the internet? Do I want my kids to, you know, really revolt because they've got no internet? Do I want to handle that? We definitely want the fridge plugged in. You know, do we need the microwave plugged in just to, to heat some food up, the TV? Whatever. What devices need to be powered? Do we need heat? Um, all those sorts of things. Because they all required the same power. And you can imagine how uh, a house with seven people in it uh, with all those things going on, the, the phone, the internet, and everything was at the top of their list, right? Making sure all those things were connected. But here's the thing. For the house to function, there were different appliances, different equipments, different things like that, but they all needed the same power. There's an interdependence on, in the house where everything needs the same power in order to run. And today we want to hear from God regarding our interdependence and how we need one another, but where our power comes from. Because this is God's house. This is God's house that we're meeting in. And we're all gifted differently, but we're relying on the same power. As we heard Jackie tell us, There are different varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Different Holy Spirit gifts that he gives. Different ways to serve. Different activities that God has for us, but it's all the same God. And because we are in Jesus, different in same them become that language of interdependence that we're talking about. For the body does not consist of only one member, but many. But as it is, God arranged for members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, 
yet one body. See, in the Bible, our interdependence is made crystal clear. We're not a bunch of microwaves all throughout the house zapping food. It doesn't make any sense. I know it sounds silly, but when you think about it, that's often what we do as church, don't we? We all think that we all should be alike, think alike, act alike, do alike in the church. And there is, there is a truth to that in submission to and obedience to Christ, but we often take it to the next level, don't we? We often take it to the, well, then how come you aren't serving on this team like I am? If you were truly a saint, you would spend time down there with those kids, right? Or you would really go out on Wednesday nights with the mobile mission if you truly wanted to see the gospel spread because that's the way it has to happen. Or if you really were serving God, you'd be an usher or a greeter or work in sound tech or join the worship team because that's where God's really moving in our church. We see all these different areas that God moves and we think because that's our passion and where God has called us, we think everybody should have a leaning and a drawing towards that. But if we were, then the church is not focused the way it should be. Instead of being a house of God, it's a house full of doorknobs, myself included, chief doorknob right here, when we think everybody should be like us. So how are we to learn this? How are we to learn this interdependence? Well, here's the amazing thing. We have this wonderful thing called the Bible, and it's full of God's wisdom, The New Testament is full of letters written to churches just like this one about how to handle problems where humanity and God clash and the understanding of those things are natural flesh and the spirit clash and they have to work those things out. And so what did Paul have to say about these things? He's one of the writers of most of the letters to churches in the New Testament about how to figure all this stuff out. And he wrote wrote to a church in the city of Corinth who had similar issues. So how did he address these things? Because regardless of spiritual gifts, the way to serve or the activity that we do, hearing and obeying what God's word says should be our everyday life when approaching differences, when approaching anything. So let's read what he has to say in 1 Corinthians. If I speak in the tongue of of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have a prophetic power or understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And if I give away all that I have and I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Because love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. When, When I was a child, I spoke like a child, and I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man... I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall see fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. 
different, same, interdependence. This whole idea of how we have to work together, it's not going to go away. As long as we're here trying to worship God, trying to do this together, that idea of difference in both same is going to be a part of it. It's not a fad for this moment in culture. It's actually God's design. And so when it comes to our interdependence, when the dust settles on all of these things, our posturing and our personal views, what is left? Three things are left. Faith, that God holds all things together. Hope, that there is a day when God makes all things new and right in him. And love, love that has found us. Love that has called us, love that saves us, love that sustains us, and love that leads us to love others. The greatest is love. And yet there's this tension. What does it take for us to be interdependent and healthy? And to answer this, I want to draw on an important understanding. Galatians 5, 22, 23 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, or faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, because against such things there is no law. One cannot be a follower of Christ and have no fruit. Because notice the fruit isn't plural, all right? It's singular, we will have the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit. You don't get to pick that God's going to grow love in you or patience in you or kindness in you or faithfulness in you and forget the rest. You don't have to work on those. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So here's a hot take for you. The Holy Spirit is not going to produce fruit in you with no effort from you. You can't go from being all grumpy and sour, unwilling to give or serve, and then magically be first in line for all those things without putting in effort yourself. Just not going to happen. You're going to need to work. We work out our salvation, not for it, but we work it out in us as the Holy Spirit is working in us. All right, so what kind of work is required? We're going to be interdependent. We're going to love and care for each other, be loving, patient, kind, all those things. What kind of work is required? What's the fine print in seeing the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit in abundance in our lives? Well, like we read earlier in 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up my childish ways. We just went through a, spirit, a series on spiritual maturity. So turn to the, next per, the person next to you and say, I need to grow up. There you go. Ingrid tells me that all the time. I need to grow up. <laughs> Notice how I didn't say, turn to the person next to you and say, you need to grow up, right? I need to grow up. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Because we are the body, not the head. 
We respond to what the head is telling us to do and act and live out. And the more we allow him to mature us and grow us, the more we will reflect his image. Sometimes we think we can act like Jesus, but then talk smack about people. Tell people they're Pharisees for the way they're living. We see people around us in church and how they're, they're processing their faith and how we see that there's always room for growth in their lives. And we call it out in less than loving ways to them or about them to others. All in love, we think. But when we do this, we are the Pharisee. And we are nothing like the head of the church, Christ. In Ephesians 5, 7 to 10, it says, Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. That is where our focus is as the light, having the light of Christ in us. We are to give no opportunity to the devil because he is looking for every opportunity to get you off track from looking like Christ. Interdependence is attainable if we commit to the heart work of unity, of growing up. It's a shared commitment to growing up that was made, we see it in the early church, and it was revolutionary. They shared all things in common. They looked after the poor, the widow, the orphan among them. They prayed, they worshiped, they learned, they served, they ate together. Life revolved around knowing God and making him known. Differences were resolved in love, seeking the best for each other. So what specific things would they have worked on individually and together to grow up? Because they magically, again, didn't just turn into this. They didn't just meet Jesus and then forget how to be selfish. First thing they would have worked on probably is something like pride, an unhealthy view of self versus others because pride can look like bragging it can be arrogant it can be being cocky but it can also look like possessing a victimhood spirit it can look like no self-esteem or being dismissive where it's a false humility of how you see the world and compare yourself to them because what you're doing is you're denying the uh, God, the ability to say, you can do things. You're saying, oh, little old me, I can't, I can't do these things. But what does scripture say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's, just, that's, a, that's pride in our lives when we say, oh, I, I can't, I can't. You're saying you're in charge, that God can't do those things through you. You're making that decision for him. James 4, verses 6 says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, God says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So we humble ourselves. The only antidote to pride is humility. 
which is submission to God and others. And know this, you can humble yourself or God will humble you. It's your choice. They also would work on prejudice, an unholy view of those different than themselves. If there's a self-righteousness in us, it'll most often present itself this way, elevating ourselves by putting others lower. Any form of superiority which we hold on to is self-righteousness. Like the, the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector. Again, the antidote to prejudice is humility, which looks like us esteeming others greater than ourselves. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And there's also the false teaching of uninhibited freedom, which is an ungodly view of freedom. The accepted truth of the, of the gospel, a gift of unearned merit, changes who we are. But it's a gift of ongoing grace that as we allow the Holy Spirit to grow us, it changes what we do. We don't live thinking, oh, God saves me, God forgives me, then I can, I can do whatever and I'm not going to offend God because he'll just forgive me. In a moment, our identity is changed by the Holy Spirit, but over time, we keep following and the Holy Spirit changes our activity. In Galatians 5, it says this, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are what? Against the Spirit. And the desires of the spirit are what? Against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. That portion of scripture goes on to describe how the flesh, the, the flesh we are to crucify, saying it's like it's distorted passions. It's Desire surrounding sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, and fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, and things like these. All these things of the flesh have one thing in common. They all go beyond the boundaries of what God has established. They all take down the fences that God has put up lovingly and paints them as a lack of freedom. Speaking the truth plainly, pride, prejudice, and the false teaching of uninhibited, I can say that word, Freedom first do their unhealthy and unholy and ungodly work in us. Then it shows up 
between us. And the antidote to false teaching of uninhibited freedom is receiving God's gift of limits. It's humility. And if you can grow in humility, receiving God's gift of limits in you, we can better grow in interdependence with each other. There's one God who's given many gifts, many ways to serve, and many activities. And to be more like Jesus, his church must be both spiritually gifted and led and spiritually growing. And today, maybe you're struggling to control the flesh. You've been actually trying to do that rather than crucify it. Jealousy, division, strife, idolatry, immorality, or other passions of the flesh are battling for control of your life. Today is the day for you to crucify them, to renounce them, and to begin to walk in the Spirit. Maybe today, hearing about godly limitations that humility and obedience to the Spirit brings, something that you haven't heard taught of quite like this. You felt that you had more freedom to do whatever you wanted and not offend God. Today, you can get right with God and begin to walk in step with the Spirit. Maybe today you've never embraced spiritual gifts and the Spirit leading you, and you need to come forward and be prayed for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Today is the day of salvation, the day of freedom, the day of healing, being Spirit-filled. If you want to take a step in any of these areas today, in a moment, you'll be invited forward. Because we want to be a church that fully includes you, but at the same time is never about you. It's about God. May God the Father be glorified. May Holy Spirit lead and empower. And may Christ be